My wife has a new dog. Her name is Riley. And my dog, Tex, is going through a transitional time. She eats his food, drinks his water, sleeps on his bed, and he has not yet decided how to respond to her. So he's sort of in that transitional period. Well, we all have periods of transition in life as we move from one phase of life to another phase of life. For instance, we move from being a student to being an employee, from being single to being married, from not having children to having children, from working to retiring, and so forth. So there are all these transitions that we go through in life that are necessary because it moves us from one phase to another phase of life. Well, today we're going to look at a transitional time within the history of Israel. Now, Moses had died at this time. Understand the importance of Moses to the Hebrew people. He was the one who delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. He was God's miracle worker. And yet he had died. So the question was for Israel, what were they going to do now that their leader, their trusted leader, had died? Were they going to return to the bondage of Egypt? Were they going to go back to slavery? After all, even as a slave, they knew what the next day held. And they had threatened on numerous occasions to return to Egypt. So would they at this time... Absence of a leader, would they return to slavery? Or would they go forward into the unknown? Take your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. We'll read verses 1 through 9. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise across this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous." Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Israel now is at a transitional time. Moses has died. What are they going to do? Well, ladies and gentlemen, for us, for the people of faith to go forward with God, 
is determined, is contingent upon what we believe about God. Now, is God trustworthy? Is God faithful? Can I count on Him? Even when I am not fully aware of what lies before me, can I truly trust in God? One of my favorite hymns is, Great is Thy Faithfulness. I've told Steve, just in case Linda forgets, that I want that sung at my funeral. Great is Thy Faithfulness. The writer was Thomas Chisholm. He said, All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Now, as Chisholm looked back over his life, he saw repeatedly the faithfulness of God in his life. And that inspired him then to write this hymn. At the age of 75, he wrote, My income has not been large at any time. Due to impaired health in the earlier years, which has followed me on until now. Although I must not fail to record here the unfailing faithfulness of a covenant-keeping God, and that He has given me many wonderful displays of His proving care, for which I am filled with astonishing gratefulness. Folks, our God is a faithful God. He is faithful in His promises. You see, going back to the Hebrew people at this time, the Lord had promised to them that He was going to give them the land. In Genesis chapter 17, verse number 8, He said, And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now, that is the promise that God had made to the people of Israel. He said, I'm going to give you all this land. Well, was he faithful to his promise? Look at verse number 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. You see, the promise had been made first to Moses. God had said, Moses, I am going to give my people this land. But now then, the promise is extended to Joshua. The promise then was not contingent upon Moses. The promise was determined by God. It was God who had made the promise. It had nothing to do with Moses. It was God's promise. He was faithful in His promise. He had promised that He was going to give to them the land. And here at this transitional time, He repeats that promise. I am still going to give them the land even though Moses has died. He's faithful in His promises. He's faithful in His presence. The Hebrews at this time must have wondered, but... Will God be with Joshua as God was with Moses? Now, they knew that the Lord had been with Moses. You know the story. When Moses would be with the Lord, then his face would shine, and then later he would put a veil on so they would not see the glory as it faded. But they knew that God had been with Moses. Now, would God also be with Joshua if he became their leader? Look at verse number 5. The Lord speaks. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. 
I will not for fail you or forsake you. The question must have been in the Hebrew's mind. If we go forward into the unknown, will God be with Joshua as he was with Moses? And the Lord said to them, I am going to be with Joshua also. And he said, I will not fail him. The word fail that is used there means to be feeble, slack, to relax, or to abandon. And so God said, I will not fail him. I will not fail you. I will not abandon my children. I will not relax when it comes to my children. And then he said, or forsake you. And the word forsake means to leave, to lose, to forsake, or to neglect. God says, I'm not going to lose you out here in the wilderness. Now, that's a good promise to me, because it seems like I lose everything I have. I lose my phone. I, I, I get, I don't know what happens to me, Jim. I, I get in my car to come to work, and I get down the road a little ways, and all of a sudden I realize I don't have my phone. And I can tell Bucky, by the way you're grinning, you have that problem. And I turn around and go back and get it. I was at a restaurant, and we got in the car and left, and I realized I didn't have my phone. So I have to turn around. It happens all the time. I lose my keys. I have actually been walking around the house with my keys in my hand asking, Linda, have you seen my keys? And then I come to this passage of Scripture, and the Bible says, God says that I will not forsake you. I will not lose you. God does not lose His children. He did not lose the Hebrews when they were in the wilderness, and He does not lose us wherever we are, because He has promised that He is going to be with us. He has promised His presence. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, look at this, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the promise of God. His presence. That has meant to me a great deal in life. When my children went off to college, you know, parents, you worry about them because you're not there to supervise them all the time. And I thought when they were gone, though, I cannot be there with them. God is. He's with them. When my mother was ill, there were times when I thought I really needed to be with her. But she lived in Fort Worth and we lived here. And I couldn't be there most of the time. And I thought, but... God's with her. When we left our last church to come to First Baptist Church, I thought, you know, the Lord has been with us here. And the Lord will be with us there. Because that's His promise. He has promised us His presence. See, the reason that I emphasize that to you, because if you are going to go forward in your relationship with God, then the question comes down to the faithfulness of God. Do you believe Him to be faithful? Do you believe Him to be trustworthy? Because it is only if you are convinced that He is trustworthy, that He is faithful with His presence and with His promise, that you are willing to go into the unknown because you know that God is there with you. 
God is faithful, but sometimes we fail to move forward because of our own fear. And there were a number of obstacles that the Hebrews had to overcome even after this. First of all, there were some faulty memories of the past. And when we have a distorted memory of the past, that sometimes keeps us from moving on. Finley Dunn wrote, The past always looks better than it was. It's only pleasant because it isn't here. Moses was dead. Now, how did the Hebrews remember him? All they began to think, oh, what a, what a great leader Moses was. Isn't it interesting how death changes things? I think, you know, when I die, I think I'm going to be a lot greater than I am now. You know, it, it makes people forget things. Oh, what a great leader he was. You remember when we were there in Egyptian bondage, and, and Moses just marched right up to Pharaoh and said, Let my people go. And when Pharaoh didn't do it, then he called them plagues to force him to. Oh, what a leader he was. Do you remember when we came to the, to the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was behind us and the Red Sea was in front of us? Moses stepped in. And the sea parted, and we went across on dry land. What a leader he was. When we were in the wilderness and, and we needed food, Moses provided it. When we needed water to drink, Moses provided What a wonderful leader he was. But they forgot that they complained about Moses all the way. You remember the complaints? Who do you think you are? Does God only speak to you? Does He not speak to us also? You're not the only one God speaks to. They complained about the food. They complained about the trip. They complained about everything. But now Moses is dead, and all they remember is what a great leader he was. Folks, we have selective memory about the past. The problem with that is good things about it, but the problem about that is sometimes it keeps us from moving forward. I remember in the last church where I was pastoring, man and a woman, a couple in our church were about to get a divorce. The woman came in to see me, and I remember her comment because she said, I cannot compete with a dead former wife who was perfect. See, sometimes we have a faulty memory of the past, and things are not as they as we thought they were, faulty memories with Israel. There were the failures they had. Sometimes we get stuck in the failures of yesterday and we can't move forward. There in verse number 3, he says, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you, just as I spoke to, to Moses. God says, I, I've given you the land. But see, they, they did not move in to take the land. God had told them early, whenever they left, that I'm giving you this land. But they didn't move in to take it. When they came to the edge of the promised land the first time, they sent in the twelve spies. The spies came back, and the Bible says that ten of them came back with a bad report, saying, well, the people over there are, are, are like giants, and we are like grasshoppers in their sight. There's no way we can actually go in there and take the land. And the Scripture says the people wept that night. They didn't go in. They had been unfaithful when Moses was up on Mount Sinai with the Lord. And then the people decided, well, we don't know if he's going to come back or not. They went to Aaron and said, Aaron, we want you to make us a, a, an object of worship. And you know he made the golden calf for them to worship that. 
I say that or I point that out to you because, friends, we have failures in our past. And the problem is, is if we don't deal with those failures and move on, they will keep us from moving forward with God. There are some of you who have a, a failure of marriage in the back. You never got past it. You're just stuck there. You never moved on because you never dealt with it and you never got past it. We do that sometimes. I mean, you can think about it. In some of us have been on so many diets and not lose any, not, and we didn't lose any weight, and so you know, we why bother? Failure of the past keeps me from moving forward. In sports, struck out, so I don't swing the bat anymore. Well, it's no different in Christianity. It's no different in your faith. There are some of you who look back in your background. There was a time, like these little girls who were baptized today, there was a time when you trusted Christ as your Savior. You were born into the kingdom of God, but there had been some disappointments in your life, and you have failed the Lord as you've gone on. So you quit. Because of those failures back there, you've not dealt with them and moved on to accept the forgiveness and the grace of God and move on with your life to do something with God, to do something for God. The failures of yesterday can paralyze us today. And then there were the deficiencies of their faith because going forward requires courage. And you'll notice there in verse number 6, the Lord says, be strong and courageous. Verse number 7, only be strong and very courageous. And he says it again. Now, obviously, they had some concerns at this time in their life. Moses was dead. Joshua was a military leader. But Moses had their confidence. They had seen Moses lead and Moses provide and Moses do the right thing. They had seen that. So Moses had their confidence. Joshua was unproven as a leader, and they didn't know exactly where they were going to go. And so what did they need? They needed courage. So what does he say to them in verse number 2? Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all the people. Arise. Moses is dead, but you still need to move forward. They had to overcome the fear that came with Moses' death. See, Moses died. There was the temptation to sit right where they were and not go forward into the land that God had promised. And so the Lord says, no, you are to arise. Matthew Henry wrote, let not weeping hinder sowing, nor the withering of the most useful hands be the weakening of ours. For when God has work to do, He will find or make instruments fit to carry it on. Moses, the servant, is dead, but God, the master, is not. Arise. You can't sit here when the promised land is in front of you. Arise and cross this Jordan. There's a problem there. Cross this Jordan. The Jordan at this time had overflowed its banks. This was not the time to cross Jordan. Therefore, there is a lesson here for us. Folks, if you wait until conditions are ideal, you will never do anything. Is that correct? If you wait until everything is just right, you'll never go forward. 
had you waited until you could afford it, you would not be married today. Had you waited until you could afford it, you would not have had children. You see, the point we need to understand is that conditions are never ideal. And if you're waiting for them to be perfect, then you will never accomplish anything. There were also some distractions they had to, uh, had to deal with in verse number 7. He said, be strong, very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. Do not get distracted. Don't turn from the left or the right. He said, don't get distracted because the Hebrews had a history of being distracted. When they sent in the spies and the spies came back, they were distracted. They looked at the giants rather than at God. And they were just, isn't it interesting or does it amaze you as much as it does me as to how easily I become distracted? The worship service. God wants to speak to your heart. I believe that. But you come to the worship service and you get distracted. You can't hear the voice of God because you're thinking about what's for lunch. Or what am I going to do this afternoon? We become distracted and we fail to... You know where I get, I get most easily distracted? In prayer. You know, you start praying and you ask the Lord for something. And the next thing I know, I start thinking of all these things I need to do. I want to hang up on the Lord and go get these things done. It's so easy to get distracted. We see someone, we want to witness to them. God has put that person on our heart. But we get distracted with something else and we fail to do it. God is faithful, but sometimes we have some issues to deal with before we can go forward. But we go forward into the future with God. How do we do that? We embrace His purpose. Again, look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. He said, I want you to cross this Jordan. Now, to me, Jordan represents that transition. They were on this side of Jordan. They have to transition through Jordan to get to the other side. He said, I want you to cross this Jordan. Get to the other side. Get to the land that I have given to you. We have to embrace His promise. What is it that His purpose? What is it that God wants you to do? What does God want you to do? What is the Holy Spirit putting in your heart? What does God want you to do in your life? Embrace His purpose. Claim His promise, verse number 3. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. God makes promises to His children. He promised Israel His power. In verse number 5, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. That certainly was true when they got to Jericho, wasn't it? The city was all walled up, but God's power intervened and the walls fell down. God's provision in verse number 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. God promised them success. But notice in verse number 7, 
Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Folks, there is no success in disobedience to God. Please understand that there is no success in life in disobedience to God. And if you become disobedient to God, He will not bless your life. If you become disobedient to God, there is no promise of success. But His promise was, if you get in my word and you live according to my word, you'll be successful. Isn't that true? You'll be successful. He promised His presence in verse number 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The promise He made was His power, His provision, and His presence. Susan was 34 years old. She was misdiagnosed, and as a result, she was left blind. At first, she was angry at God. She was a believer. She was angry at her doctors. She was angry. Her husband's name was Mark. He was an Air Force officer. He took care of Susan, but then he saw that she was losing her independence. He took her to work, saw that she got there, picked her up, and so forth, but he became concerned because she was becoming increasingly dependent upon him. And so finally, one day, he said to her, Susan, you're going to have to start taking the bus to work. She protested, I am blind. How am I going to know where I'm going? I feel like you are abandoning me. Mark said that his heart was broken, but because he believed it was necessary, he insisted that she take the bus. He said, I'll go with you as long as is necessary. So for the next two weeks, he accompanied her as they went to the bus, and he rode the bus with her and got her to work. But then he said, now you're going to have to do it on your own. So she made the trip on her own, got on the bus. It was one Friday. She got on the bus, and the driver said, boy, I sure do envy you. And she said, why do you envy me? And the bus driver said, Every morning a fine-looking gentleman in a military uniform has been standing across the corner watching you when you get off the bus. He makes sure you cross the street safely and he watches you until you enter your office building. Then he blows you a kiss, gives you a little salute, and walks away. You are one lucky lady. I thought, what a picture of God. He is always with His children. We might not even see Him or know He's there, but He's always watching over His children. He's promised His presence. I believe today, and as I prayed about this service, I believe today for some of you is a transition time. That you're going to move from one phase of life to another phase of life. For some who are not saved, you've never trusted Jesus, then you move from being lost to a position of being a child of God. 
For some of you, the move will be moving from your membership in church from one place to this place. And for some, it could be that God has been calling you into ministry, and today is your transition day. There are transitions for all of us. They're very important because they allow us to go from one phase of life to another. Today I pray that you will trust the Lord because he is faithful. Our Father in God, we come to a time of invitation, a time when we consider a transition from one place to another. Lord, I pray especially for those who have never trusted Christ that they would. Lord, be with those who need to make other commitments, other decisions, other transitions. I pray that they might. But bless this time of invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a moment, we're going to stand. The choir is going to sing. This is Jordan. This is a transition time. Moving from one side to the other. Will you do that today? I've been on this side. Now then God wants me on this side. Will you do that today? The staff is going to be up here to receive you. If you're trusting Christ, joining the church, whatever it is, you come. They'll have prayer with you. Let's stand together as we stand. They'll sing. You come.